I like that movie clip because obviously the lady in white believed in Hobbes. I've had a few people believe in me over my life. My mom, a football coach in high school who just constantly yelled at me. And I thought he hated me, but he told me, no, I I see potential in you. So that's why I'm so hard on you. Chuck Schumacher, my first pastor that took an interest in me and spent time with me and took me under his wing and helped me grow in my faith. And I guess my wife, Kathy, because she married me. (laughs) Think about those who have believed in you and what it meant to you. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, let me read this in the Living Bible. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. We all need somebody to believe in us, which gives us the strength to go on and face whatever challenges that we have to face in life. Joseph believed in Mary. She was going through a crisis time in her life, and Joseph believed her, and that made all the difference. My text this morning, as we look at the Christmas characters, we're looking at Joseph this morning, is Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and she'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill What the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, there's a key word in this section that if we don't understand the meaning of that key word, this whole story is not going to make any sense to us. And it's the word betrothed. In Israel, marriage consisted of three stages or steps. The first was engagement. And the engagement was usually arranged by the parents or sometimes a matchmaker when the children were young. Parents realized the kids were too immature to make such a life-changing decision. So the decisions were made for them. You didn't really choose your mate. The second stage was betrothal. That was a one-year contract where you were considered married in the eyes of the community. If you wanted to separate while you were betrothed, it required a divorce. And if the other died during the betrothal period, you were considered a widow or widower. There was no living together during that time. You just simply spent time getting to know one another. Intimacy, you see, is reserved for marriage. 
So I'm going to say, especially to young people here this morning, don't be pressured to lower your standards. If you are dating right now, then I would say have a conversation where you talk about lessening the physical aspects of your relationship. Paul Harvey told a story of a stewardship, a steward, stewardess, being hit on by a man in the front of the plane. He kept telling her his hotel room number. When she would go to the back of the plane, there was a guy in the back of the plane doing the same thing. So she told the man in the back of the plane, the hotel and room number of the man in the front of the plane. Now, wouldn't that have been an interesting get together? The third stage was marriage. After the year long contract of betrothal ended, there was a wedding ceremony and a week long celebration. The bride moved in with the husband and they were married So understand this, Joseph and Mary are in the betrothal stage at this time. But I want to focus on Joseph now. I really like Joseph. He's one of my favorite Bible characters. I'm a big fan of Joseph's. So I want to share with you five things that I really admire about him in our text today. The first is his relationship with God. Notice verse 19, if you have your Bible open. That he is a just man. And that word just man means upright, righteous, blameless. Do you know Abraham and Job were called just men? It means to be the same in the dark as you are in the light. To be the same alone as you are with people. To be a person of integrity. And it was important that Jesus' foster father be a man of integrity. He must have had a good relationship with God or the text would not have said this word about him. After all, he was the one who was chosen to be Jesus's earthly father. Now, any of us can talk the talk, but can we walk the walk? It's the living out of our faith that's what's so important. So Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, and we know that he agonized over what to do. And this is before the angel appeared to him in a dream and told him that it was going to be okay. So this part of the story actually shows his good character. He concluded that he would divorce her quietly. Have you realized that Jesus' family considered divorce? That divorce is on the first page of the New Testament? Divorce is not an American problem. It's a human problem. It was usually infidelity that was the cause for grounds of the divorce. And so the offended person would take their claim to the rabbi who would begin the divorce proceedings. And it was usually done publicly so that he could show his outrage at this public humiliation. Two witnesses would have to speak on his behalf. And then he could demand that she be stoned, which we see the men in John chapter 8 tried to do to that woman. It was rare in first century Israel, but it did happen. We have the example of Stephen being stoned in Acts chapter 7. But he refused to go the public divorce route because he cared about her. He wanted what was best for her. The text says that he did not want to shame her. Now, remember, no angel yet. This is him in his own thoughts. And I think it says a lot about him. 
you know, he could have just thrown up his hands and said, well, we might as well live together. Everyone assumes I'm the father, but he didn't do that. A lot of people today claim to be Christians, yet they live with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. We compromise so easily. He didn't. The righteous keep God's words, not just when it's easy, but also when it's hard. And even when you don't understand. Joseph was a just and righteous man. He loved God and loved his word. Here's the second thing that I really admire about Joseph was his attitude toward Mary. His attitude toward Mary in verse 20, it says he considered these things that were considered means thought long and hard about it. He wanted to do what was best for Mary, not himself. Now, one's reaction when they're in a crisis really shows their true colors. Are they out for self or others? I mean, given enough time, most of us will come around and do the right thing most of the time. But what about if we're blindsided and it's just the crisis is upon us? How do we react then? Joseph could have worried about his reputation. How could he ever show his face around town? Everyone would be talking. Would he be able to find work or would he be ostracized? But he thought more about Mary than he did himself. How a boyfriend or husband treats his wife and girlfriend shows more about him than does his doctrine. Look at her face and you can tell. Does she glow? Is she happy? Is she fulfilled? Is she prized? Is she cherished? Does he love her like Christ loves the church? In the first church I pastored, there was a man that came to me and showed me Ephesians 5.25 and said, this is the hardest verse in the Bible. That a husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He said, I find that really hard to do. So are we loving our wives, gentlemen, like Christ loved the church and being the spiritual leaders in our homes? I think we can learn a lot from Joseph. His world was turned absolutely upside down and he didn't do what was expedient for himself, but what was best for her. And I believe his actions laid the grounds for a very solid foundation for a good marriage for them. Third thing I really like about Joseph is his sensitivity to God. We see that in verses 20 and 21. Not only did he consider these things, but then he made plans. His plans were the private divorce proceedings. Yet his plan was interrupted. An angel appeared to him in a dream and told him to go against his plans, which is hard to do when your mind is already made up. We don't like anyone messing with our plans. It's hard to be sensitive to God's leading when you've already decided a thing. Proverbs 16, 1 says the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. He was hurt. He was confused. His emotions were involved in this crisis. And when they are, we usually act rashly. We don't think biblically. We just go off. But he was sensitive to God's leading. Now, I'm thinking at this moment about some pre-marriage counseling sessions 
The couple sitting before you often have lovesick eyes. They're practically sitting in the same chair. They, they hold hands for an hour straight. I mean, wouldn't your hands get sweaty after an hour? And I think this is all very nice. I try to point out a few of the hazards potentially in marriage, but they can't hear it. I ask questions like, do you have a job? No. Do you have any prospects? No. Do you own a car? No. Do you have a place to live? No. Do you really think this marriage is going to work? Oh, yes. Now, I'm exaggerating just a little bit. You can probably tell. But I think you get the point. It's useless to tell them anything because their minds are made up. Our marriage is going to be great. This is going to be easy. It's hard to be sensitive to God when your mind is already made up and your emotions are involved. It's hard to be sensitive to God when what you're facing makes no sense at all. Have you ever been led to do something that seems strange to everyone else? The Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So Joseph thought about it. He considered it. He had his plan. But God had a different plan. Now, of course, Joseph's situation is unique. There's nothing else like this that's ever happened before. There's no precedent for this. That there's no one that could advise him and say, yeah, I've gone through the same thing. Here's what you do. And how would he explain this to his parents? Dad, Mary's pregnant. And it wasn't me. Well, then who was it? It was God. You know, it's hard to be sensitive to God when everyone thinks you're crazy. I like the comic strip Peanuts. The kids were going to be in a Christmas play. And Lucy tells Marsha she's a shoo-in for the part of Mary. Now, we know that Lucy would never be cast as Mary. Herod, maybe, but not Mary. Marsha told her that she got the part. Lucy ignores Marsha and tells her what a great Mary she'd make. Marsha tells her the director has already cast me as Mary. When Lucy says... I love the part where the angel Gabriel comes to her. Why would the angel come to you? You never would listen. So would the friends and family of Joseph really listen to him? He was sensitive to God, even when it wasn't easy. He, he was flexible and willing to change course. Here's a fourth thing I really admire about Joseph was his obedience to God. I see that in verse 24. You know that Joseph never utters a word in the Gospels. He just obeys. Actions speak louder than words were never truer than for Joseph. Five times in the Joseph story in Matthew 1 and 2, he comes to a point of decision. And five times he always immediately obeys. In Matthew 1.20, he takes Mary to be his wife rather than divorce her. In 1.25, he names the child Jesus rather than Joseph Jr. or some other name he likes better. In 2.13-15, he leaves Israel for Egypt. Did he know anyone there? In 2.19-21, he returns to Israel. 
I mean, by now he's settled in Egypt. Maybe he really liked the weather there. Maybe he had a really good job. In Matthew 2, to 23, he goes to Nazareth, back to the neighbors, back to the gossip. If you were him, would you have obeyed immediately? Obedience is where the rubber meets the road. If you say yes to God, you may risk your reputation, risk hardships, even the threat of death. You may have to make long travels with a baby and spend years away from home and family. He could have said, you know what, I just had a bad dream. I'm going to roll over and go back to sleep. But he immediately obeyed every time, and I really admire him for that. And fifthly, was his desire to glorify God. His desire to glorify God. In verse 24, it says he took his wife. Now, we all know what that means. And verse 25 says, but knew her not. That means that he did not have sex with her. Now, why? That he was married. He could. But he did it to say that this child was not mine. Now, I find no command in the scriptures for him to abstain. He's married. But did he figure something out here? In Isaiah 7:14 it says, "Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel." Matthew quotes that verbatim in 123. Now here's what I really hadn't seen clearly before, and I wonder if this was revealed to him. When I think of that verse, I always think a virgin shall conceive, right? But do you ever think of the part, and a virgin shall bear a son? I don't think we always think of that part. We just think of the virgin will conceive part. But if he saw that in Isaiah 7:14, and a virgin will bear a son, that is an amazing insight and revelation into God's word that he had. I think that's really cool. You know, we don't hear much about Joseph in the Bible. He's always in the background of the nativity sets. I think he should be put up front. He never speaks a word in the New Testament. In the Middle Ages, sadly, he's portrayed as a foolish old man in his 60s. He's only mentioned twice in Jesus's ministry and both times indirectly. The first time when Jesus was on the cross and Jesus looked down from the cross on his apostle, John, and says, take my mother home. She's your mother now. Now, he would have never have said that if Joseph was still alive. Undoubtedly, Joseph was dead by that time. And truly, in my heart, I'm glad he was. I think it would have really killed him to see his son, Jesus, hanging on that cross dying. Remember, it was Joseph that gave Jesus his legal status in Israel. The only other time that Joseph is mentioned again indirectly is in Matthew 13:55, where it says, is not this? The carpenter's son is not his mother called Mary and are not his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, the carpenter's son. Jesus became what Joseph was. He was certainly influenced by his dad. I'm sure he listened to his prayers, saw him reading the Bible, the Old Testament then. Watched him working in his shop and that Jesus became a carpenter, too, just like his dad. 
And Jesus, we know, went to the temple often because his father, Joseph, took him to the temple. We have the story when Jesus was 12 and the family went up to Jerusalem to the temple. Well, you know what? Jesus has the same five qualities that his father, Joseph, had. And Matthew eleven twenty five to 30 shows his beautiful relationship to God. In Luke 10, 40 to 42, his attitude toward women. In John 5, 19 to 20, his sensitivity to God is displayed in that passage. In Matthew 26, 39, his obedience to God, which was to go to the cross. And in John 17, we see his desire to glorify his father, God. Well, I would, I would like to challenge the men in this church to be like Joseph, to believe in others. And not only when it's easy, but when it's hard and when they're going through difficult times, we come alongside and believe in them. My mom always told me it was the same refrain. You can do anything you want to do. And I think I know why she always said that was because her father told her she wouldn't amount to anything. Does someone believe in you? Believe in who you can become. Let's believe in each other at this Christmas season. I think that's the best gift that we can give. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the story of Joseph, that it's in the Bible, and that he is a good example to us men and women, too. Let us, Lord, believe in the people that you've put in our lives. Let us come alongside of them and encourage them and help them. Let us be men who are just and righteous in what we do. Who love our wives, our girlfriends, our friends, like Christ loved the church. Lord, raise up godly men. To be the spiritual leaders that you're looking for. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's